months now that we have been wandering in the wilderness with the Israelites when we come to them at our scripture reading this morning. It's been three months since they have left Egypt. It's been three months of them braving and wandering through the wilderness. And someone reminded me this week that, Ricky, it's been four months since you've had a haircut, uh, which the Afro's finally starting to grow out from middle school again. Uh, so whether it's been three months in the wilderness or we're maybe a month ahead, I'm hoping it's not uh, 40 years for us wandering through this wilderness. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, similarities between us and the Israelites because wilderness is a, a place of formation. A wilderness is a place where we ask uh, sometimes the, the tough and difficult uh, questions of ourselves and of God. And so we've been asking questions with the Israelites. We've been asking questions like, can God heal? Deep thirst and the newfound vulnerabilities that we find within ourselves in the wilderness. Can God quench the deep thirst that we perhaps didn't even know we had? We've been asking questions like, will God provide? Can God be trusted to provide? Can, can we uh, uh, develop a palate not for Pharaoh bread, but for God bread? Learning our way out of an economy of scarcity and into God's kingdom economy of daily bread. Where everyone always has enough. Will God provide? Last week, we asked that difficult question, is God with us? Is God for us? Can God be trusted to be faithful to us? And when we've lost faith in ourselves, or lost faith in our leaders, or sometimes even lost faith in God, is God faithful with us? And this week, as we approach Sinai, which will be the most intimate encounter and experience that this generation will have with God. This week as we approach Sinai, we ask the question, not only where will we encounter God, but how will we encounter God? So, if you have your Bibles, church is always a great place to bring your Bibles. I invite you to open up with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to be reading uh, mostly from chapter 19 and a little bit from Exodus chapter 20 this morning. I invite Mariah to start us out in verse 1 here. Hear now the word of God from Exodus chapters 19 and 20. On the third new moon after the Israelites had gone out to the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They had journeyed from Rephidim, entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. Israel camped there in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had communicated to him. The people all answered as one, everything that the Lord has spoken we will do. 
Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and so trust you ever after. When Moses had told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and prepare for the third day, because on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And picking up in verse 16, On the morning of the third day there was thunder and lightning, as well as a thick cloud on the mountain, and a blast of trumpets so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. But Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently. And as the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. So when the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And now in chapter 20, verse 21. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. That's all right. It's like we're speaking in tongues yeah. this morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> The voice of the Lord. <laughs> Friends, uh, I, I love this scripture and I, I find it so fascinating because so often in scripture we, we have these beautiful contrasts of dark and light. In creation, it's God separates the light from the darkness and it was good. Jesus says to us, I am the light of the world. Jesus says to us, don't hide your light under a bushel basket, but set it out so that everyone can see. So often in scripture we find this metaphor of light and darkness and, and we learn that we're supposed to go towards the light because God is in the light and we're meant to live in the light. But here in Exodus, it's actually in the darkness, the deep, mysterious, maybe a little terrifying unknown of the darkness where God resides. Right, I can only imagine, this must have been a terrifying experience for the Israelites. Can you imagine what this was like for them? I can imagine there was a lot of fear. Uh, I personally am still to this day scared of the dark. So darkness and me are not the best of friends, both in the situation of my bedroom and that of my own faith. I prefer to stay in the light. I prefer to stay where the path is lit where I am guided in the footsteps of God that I can already see and not particularly the ones that have dust covering them or no light shining upon them. So as an Israelite who has just spent all this time in the wilderness to come to something new and be embraced not with bright sunshiny days but darkness and thunder, I can imagine that my first reaction would be to crawl, to crawl up into a ball and just say, ah, maybe, maybe I'm good without God for now. We'll just stick with the wilderness. I kind of know what's going on there after this long. And yeah, Moses, you've got this. And I feel like that would be my immediate cowardly position. Because like many people, my first reaction to sudden darkness and to loud thunder and terrifying winds and heavy rains is to say, I think I'll stay inside today. You know, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that 
they find God in the darkness, and it, it's almost as if the, the wilderness has prepared them for this encounter. It's, it's, they've been three months of wandering through the wilderness here, and it's three months of, of being formed and, and learning to more fully depend on God every day and, and the way that God heals them and the way that God is faithful to them. In this wilderness that has formed them, they are prepared to encounter God in these moments. I wonder, have you experienced that kind of darkness and, and wilderness that formed you to encounter God in a powerful way? Absolutely. So as Ricky and I were preparing for this sermon, as I read over Exodus, this excerpt from Exodus a few times, I kept having the connection back to my own life, as many of us do when we encounter scripture. And in particular, I discerned my own experience in college. And for those of you who do not know, Ricky and I both went to McMurray University, Alacumba, and we both experienced a wonderful religion department that nurtured us into people that we definitely could not say that we were in high school. And so for me, I had a very sheltered high school experience, and I do not mean that in the sense that I wasn't allowed to watch PG-13 movies, and I was, had to be home by 8 o'clock every night. I was usually at school till 8 o'clock every night. You can ask Chelsea because of one-act play and band and everything else. When I say sheltered, I mean that I had a home in high school. There was a continual joke that if I wasn't at home, I was at school. If I wasn't at school, I was at church. Flip the roles, and you'll probably find me at one of those three places. I was a busybody. I had a home with my friends who became family to me, with teachers who pushed me to be the best I could be. I went into my first day of my senior year already knowing that I was going to McMurray. And I wasn't afraid to say, oh yeah, I'm going into ministry, until about halfway through that year when I realized, oh, some people find that kind of weird when you say that you're 17 years old and going into ministry. And as someone who has felt called to ministry since they were 12, I started having these feelings of, oh, Maybe I should consider something else so that people don't give me weird looks, so that people don't say, oh wait, you're a girl, so that people don't say, but you're 17, so people don't say, but you haven't even gone to college yet, you don't know what you really want to do. So if there was a wild moment for me, my senior year of high school, where I said, music education. I have a huge heart for music. That's probably my second dream job after ministry would be to go be a band director. In a heartbeat, I would do it. But God kept calling me back. God kept saying, hey, remember, this has been your dream since you were 12. This has been the dream we've walked down this path together. This has been you. And I realized that there was no more hiding. I had to do what I felt called to because in my mind there really is nothing else. This is where I am called by God. And so I got to college and I jumped right in a little hesitantly because at first it was pretty sunshine and rainbows because I said, hey, I can take this class, I can take intro to Christianity, I can take classes that are just kind of free form, very easy. And then you get into the classes such as dialogue with the other that encourages you to have dialogue with those who might not be like you in terms of race, sexuality, religion, etc. You, you have challenging courses such as monasticism, courses about how monastic foundations formed on the earth long before any of us were around. And you stop and think, is this really for me? Can I pursue a call that challenge, challenges me to go beyond, that challenges me to do more than stand on a pulpit every day, that challenges me to be more than a person that just is a minister? How can I be a minister who is God to the people? And so for a long time, my darkness was 
Well, I'm also still a 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old who very much has a very fiercely independent personality. I grew up with two brothers that were born in 1980 and 1983, so to say that my music taste is very much 90s grunge is very true. I don't always listen to the most contemporary Christian music. And for the longest time, this was my fear, that I, as a person, as Mariah, Mariah who is not the minister, it was my biggest fear that if I exposed my true self, that if I wasn't Mariah who studies religion and sociology at McMurray, that if I wasn't Mariah who's at church every Sunday, if I was the Mariah who didn't share a post on Facebook that had a Bible verse in it, I was like, well, then I'm failing my community because I'm supposed to be going into ministry. That needs to be my entire persona. And so for me, throughout college, my darkness was this idea that I needed to keep up with an identity in God that was not true. An identity in God that was forced. An identity in God that asked me questions I didn't want to answer, such as, okay, but that's not who you are. How do you embrace who you are in your walk with God while still maintaining a faithful composure and while not treating yourself as less than because you think that that is the only way to embrace your call to ministry? And so Ricky and I shared several professors, such as Dr. Mark Waters, who really honestly takes you to the cliff and says, there you go, have fun. <laughs> and it's the best push off a cliff you'll ever get because with compassion and leadership from professors like the ones Ricky and I both shared, I learned that you are allowed to be whoever you want to be in your call to ministry, in your walk with God. Your darkness does not have to define you, but rather your darkness can be something you embrace. So the darkness for me was fear of myself, which looking back almost seems laughable at this point because I love who I am. I love being loud, boisterous. I love being an advocate. And that's where this first year of seminary has truly taken me, that it is not my definition as Mariah, the minister. It is my definition as Mariah, the aspiring minister, the aspiring rock band drummer, the aspiring best aunt in the universe. It is the Mariah who listens to music a little too loudly in the car every day, but has a great time doing it. It is me who has embraced that my entire life is for God. And if I do not honor the passions, the hobbies, the gifts I have been given, then I truly am living in the wilderness. My call to ministry is beautiful and I am so thankful for it. But I am also thankful to have gotten out of my wilderness and to embrace the darkness of my fear of self because that fear of self has turned into the light of God through me, through passions that might not seem like that of a 21-year-old female going into ministry, but to me seem like a child of God embracing my entire image that I am made in God. Yeah, it sounds like to me like um, well, there's certain expectations that others had of you and how you're supposed to encounter God in the world what your faith life was supposed to be like, what your uh, call to ministry was supposed to be like, and, and perhaps some of the fear and trembling. I can imagine if I was on Sinai and it was shaking and there was trumpets and it was smoking and it was loud voices and thunder and lightning, it would be a little bit of a terrifying experience to lean into that dark place. And, and perhaps it is uh, being willing to set aside the expectations that others have of us and, and lean truly into that dark place where God is. And uh, You know, it, it strikes me that, that the... The good news, the gospel in this passage is that, that Moses, who I'm sure was, was afraid as well, uh, Moses, even in his fear, even in his uncertainty, even in his 
uh, not knowing exactly what the future held for himself or the people of Israel as they wandered through this wilderness together. Moses and being willing to lean into the darkness, being willing to approach the darkness, had a life-changing encounter with God. And it makes me wonder, Mariah, what, what are the, the dark places that, that are mysterious and unknown, maybe even a little terrifying, that for us might hold a life-changing encounter with God? I see it a lot in my own life. I see it a lot in the lives of everyone that what holds us back is not universal. For some people, it's fear of the future, which is a pretty arguably widespread fear, but I think what is truly, what is truly holding us back is that fear of the unknown, that when you hear nothing but the rattling of walls and thunder and that the earth is quaking beneath your feet, when you're blinded by absolute darkness, that uncertainty is what keeps us from taking that next step forward. I think for every person that uncertainty is different. A fear of not finding a promotion at your job, a fear that you are complacent, that what you are doing at this very moment is not good enough, that what you're doing is too much, that you've put too much of yourself into one basket and now you have no balance. This fear that you haven't done enough for God, a fear that you haven't done enough for yourself, for your family, your friends, that well, I have to make a decision this month between maybe a car payment or a gift that a friend really wants, a gift that my family member needs, the gift of food, the gift of lights. I believe that these fears are very real, and I believe that denying these fears is what keeps us in the darkness, that it is our ability to step into the darkness and maybe not know what our next minute, hour, day will look like, and to say that this is terrifying, but there is God on the mountain, there is God in the valley, and there is Moses. There is Moses who is also probably terrified, but is acting as that vital piece of community. And so I imagine that this darkness that we experience is constant fear, is nerves, is wanting to go run and scream the opposite direction to find light in any way we can, but at the same time, is that fear of, hey, we have community here, but what if that community does not uphold me? What if I am not community for myself, for my others? So beyond fear, it is question. So I would say that together, this fear and this question of darkness is what really keeps us from pushing past and embracing what might be within that darkness. Sounds like the good news for us today is that even in our uncertainty, even in perhaps our fear, even in the dark and mysterious unknown, that God is waiting for us, God is beckoning us, and God is drawing us in. Thanks be to God. Amen.